All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I see some new faces today. Love it. Good morning to everyone who's watching on our live stream or our table space below. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us. If you are new, we would love to know who you are. So if you want to just drop a name and a comment in the comment section below, we can give you a proper greeting. If you are new today, where Becca is, you'll see a nice little welcome kiosk. We'd love to give you a cup and connect with you. So feel free at the end of the service to hop over there. We'd love to get connected with you. All right, so for today's service, we have a couple of save the dates, so let's get started. Started. So November 1st, as you know, is going to be our outdoor service. It'll be during 11 a.m., like a normal service time. If you want to come, you'll have to bring a blanket or chairs. It'll kind of be bring your own vibe, but it's going to be really fun, beautiful day, I bet. So if you want to social distance, that'll be the best way to do it. So come at 11 a.m. November 1st. Later on in the evening, we're going to do a worship night. So that will be here at the table or in the sanctuary, actually. We'll have it in the sanctuary. Have some music, have a nice ambiance. So come for that if you want to come soak and worship and just be in community. And then November 7th, we're going to do another RCC night. If you've come to those, you know how much we love them. There'll be games, a food truck, lots of things to do. It's a great place to meet your kids and just have a good time, make a new friend. And that will be from 5 to 7, November the 7th. And then for November the 21st, we are going to start our holiday market. So if you are a farmer's market lover like me and you haven't had enough of it this season, you will have more opportunities. So the first and the third Saturday, starting November 21st, from 10 a.m. to 2 at the table, we're going to do a winter market. If you're an artisan or you're a vendor, if you'd like to contact Shannon at rivercitysmyrna.com, we'll get you some more information about getting connected and getting a booth set up. And then finally, if you are coming back to service and you would like to be a volunteer, please contact me. You can do so at mariahcruz at gmail.com. I would love to have you, give you something to do, and you will get a message from me within the next week. So that is all I have for our announcements. We're going to jump into our lectionary reading. And for those of you who are new, every week we do a lectionary reading. Keeps us connected with the Universal Church. They'll all be reading the same passage this morning. And this morning it comes from Psalms 96. And it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. And so God, this morning we assume a very similar posture. We come to you recognizing your splendor and your strength, but also your kindness, your humor, your compassion. God, we thank you that you are a God who wants to be known and you are constantly revealing yourself through nature and the conversation of friends and through comfort and encouragement. Lord, we pray for eyes to see you in everything and in everyone. Thank you for the people who are gathered here this morning, or live streaming. Lord, I pray a special blessing over them. Hear their prayer and their heart's desire. Meet them where they are. Be their comfort for those who need it. Be the strength for those who feel weak. Be the joy. Be everything that you are, Lord. We thank you this morning. We worship and we exalt you because you are so worthy of praise. We love you so much. And we are so excited to be in your presence this morning. And in your holy son's name we pray. Amen. While we wait, God wants us to remember 
sin, sickness, tears, death, they won't last. They will come to an end. But joy, love, life, and you, those are forever. We are living in the already, but not yet. God has already begun the work of rescuing and restoring and mending his broken world. And one day, but not yet, every sad thing will come untrue. He will wipe away every tear from every eye. And so as we go into prayers of the people with the same encouragement and the same faith of saying that, that God is coming and restoring all things back to himself, that he is making dead things come to life again. May we prophesy to the darkness, into the pains, into the grief, into the sorrow of this world. May we enter into that prophesying and declaring that there will be a day where he will come and every tear and every brokenness and every grief stricken moment will be wiped away. And we together as one church and one body in one world will be on our knees before the Lord saying, hallelujah, glory. You are sitting on the throne. Every tongue will confess. Every name and knee will bow. And so when we do prayers of the people, it is an intentional interaction and an intentional entering into the sorrow and the grief and the, 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 the lamenting and the weeping, but it is also a proclamation and a prophesying into eternity that this is not forever, that our pain and our sorrow is not for forever. And so we hold and sit in the now and the not yet. We sit in the already and the not yet. And we cling and have our hope anchored into that. And so you, if you will pray with me, we will pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the believers in China as they are coping with reality that they are no longer allowed to practice or excuse me, copy religious material. They're not allowed to copy or hand out hymns that they will be met with persecution. We pray for the Somali Christians who are arrested for evangelism, for the Christians in India who were beaten by Hindus. We enter as fellow believers, we enter into their grief, we enter into their sorrow and their pain. And we hold them up and we remind them for eternity. There will be no more pain, but there will be love and joy and hope. We remind them that every tongue will profess and every knee will bow. Would you send your spirit to comfort and to hold those who are very, very familiar with persecution, who are losing lives and loved ones and hearing and homes because of fire and beating because they profess your name, God, would you surround them and comfort them? May we enter into that with them. And they would know that the believers around the world are prophesying with them. Would you just be near to them? Be oh so near to them. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for those who are suffering with the fire in Kilimanjaro and the floods in India and the hurricanes that are coming and have come more fires outside of Boulder in Colorado, incredibly close to homes and businesses. The fires in California. For those who are feeling much more personally and closely fear and pain and sorrow. We lift them up to you and we ask and we plead, God, would 
you draw near to them in the brokenness and in the hurting and in the loss? Would they feel safe and secure in your arms? Would they know that they take one step towards you and that you will come running after them? pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Susan Coley's friend, a mom who's walking with her son, who is in such immense, overwhelming pain and darkness. God, would you miraculously show up? We partner with that mom who is crying out on her knees before you. And we ask and we we pray that there would be a miraculous, overwhelming sense of love and seeing and knowing. May the body of Christ partner with her. Carry the burden of a mother. Be with his siblings they navigate what it's like to love a brother who is hurting so deeply. We ask God that there would be joy and hope and light that breaks through the darkest pieces of his heart. And we choose to trust and believe that there is a testimony that's coming out of this, that you are not done. pray for Jody Thomas, Lori's friend who fell and hit her head and got pretty banged up. God, would you just allow her body the strength and the rest that it needs in order to heal her body fully, that she would be back um, to being fully functioning as you've created her to be. Allow her community to come around her, that they would know how to love her well, that they would know how to be your hands and your feet. We pray for those in River City community who have many who have unspoken burdens that they are carrying. May they and we cling to the truth that you have already begun a work and then one day that work will be complete. That your son, that you are coming again and that our pain is not for forever, but knowing you, being in you, being with you, and the hope that you have to offer is eternal. So may we as a community be met by love this morning, by your love that knows all and sees all. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Um, so yesterday I had the chance to practice detachment, which is massive. Didn't set out in the morning to do it. I just kind of figured out that I was doing it along the way. We had a chance to meet with our friends, Dr. and Dr. Johns in Tennessee. Went to their farm, um, which they have a farm. And simultaneously, I, I missed the sixth Braves playoff game. If you know me, you have a slight idea about how big of a deal that is. And I also missed the Alabama-Georgia game. I didn't find out until this morning that Alabama beat Georgia. I'm not trying to say that to make anybody feel bad. I just didn't know. And if you know me, you know that that was a big step. I didn't set out to do it, but it's possible to detach from the things that control us, which in the past I've been known as someone who can be controlled by athletics, and there, there is a lot there, so... So I do think we should be praying for the Braves tonight. Let's, attach to, let's just attach tonight at 8.15 and then detach right after. Um, but I, I feel like the gifts that I found in that were, we got to sit in the living room of this deep well. Both of, both of the Johns were my professors and just got to share, break bread together, eat in their home and talk about Jesus. And I was so much more enriched that finding out that the Braves lost wasn't even 
See, this is, if people that are like new to this community are like, this is the stupidest thing, what are we talking about? It's a massive deal for me. Like it really did not have an impact on me. And so as we choose these things that matter, that take precedence over our temporary idols or our temporary fixations, there's not, it's not just because we're bad that we need to stop. There's something much better being offered to us when we commune with one another and we commune with Father through the Holy Spirit, through community. So today, you've already been around for a little bit, so you know that for the last two weeks we've been talking about POTS, which is our prayers of the season. There's information everywhere about that, on the tables, everywhere. And we've been hitting the first two. The first one was spiritual formations and pathways in. Spiritual formation is basically discipleship or growing in Christ or connection or John 15. All of those ideas are about spiritual formation and growing and setting ourselves in spaces where we can grow. So the first week we talked about pathways, pathways into that being our desires and how Jesus, when he selected disciples, he would ask them questions that tapped into what they desired and he found that those were good avenues into spiritual formation. What is it that you desire from me? What do you want? Those things were important. And for us even today, whether those desires are good or bad are important in the interaction. Then we found out in week two that spiritual formation finds its home in community. That you can't really have one without the other. You can't be a disciple of Christ without the brothers and sisters that the Father has brought together. We would, we would like that at times to just be able to kind of track our own spiritual development and do our own things and watch these podcasts and do this book and kind of stick to it and grow. And it's just impossible to grow outside of community. It's impossible. And so the first two pots I'm going to read to you. The first one was clear paths for formation and discipleship. Lord, we continue to pray for clear paths for formation and discipleship as we deepen and strengthen our relationship with you and the RCC family. Continue to revive our hearts with a deeper sense of connection and commitment to you. May we humble ourselves to pursue worship and praise even in the midst of difficult times. We found that everybody pretty much agrees you need to grow in Christ, but most people don't know how to get into it. So it's, a, it's an agreement. Yeah, we need to grow, but what does that look like? Does it look like showing up at churches that have a thousand people? Does it look like reading this book? So we want God to highlight our pathways into it. That's important. The second pot, which is kind of, there's kind of a combo happening today. I'm speaking from both of them. Community, belonging, and connectedness. Lord, we continue to pray. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. See, I'm so thankful for whatever just happened because it only happens when we're together. And it's much better than looking at no one in here. So drop your coffee cups, everyone. Amen. Belonging and connectedness. Our hearts yearn to experience your presence that comes with gathering together and sharing burdens and celebrations with each other. Guide us as we plan life groups and social gatherings for the RCC family in the city where you have planted us. One off. No, oh, I'm not going to do it. Next week. Tune in next week. Sarah's not here, so I need somebody to help me to not say the thing that will cause me to have many conversations later. Thank you. Jason's not going to help me. He's going to be like, there's your pathway. All right, so we're going to jump in today. Um, I want to read you the definition of Christian community, though. I think this is important. Christian community. Christian community exists when believers connect with each other in authentic and loving ways that encourage growth in Christ. They engage in transparent relationships that cultivate, celebrate, and make evidence Christ's love for the world. Just a pause there. Most of us enjoy meeting together and would like to come together. We always impose what we think community should be, no matter who we are. And we have to come to that end for it to truly be Christian community. The part that most churches... Uh, maybe even ours at times can alleviate from this is actually encouraging growth in Christ because we know that we need to sell this environment and so we play to our favorite things. You like fog machines and awesome singers? We happen to have no fog machines, but I still think we have some of the best musicians and singers and worship leaders on the planet. I don't think it's close, for sure. You like the most pristine preacher in the world? You got him, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> the most pristine preacher doesn't say what I just said. I think we're all aware. You like a pretty room and beautiful trees. You like to smell those. Who smells that smell in here? There's a reason we did that. You like that. You feel like you're at home right now. Some of you are like, no, my eyes are itching because people have allergies. So 
so we don't really bring Christ into it too much because Christ involves commitment. And with commitment, we struggle. Any community we have to be committed to, all of those communities are declining. Not just the Christian church, but all communities that require commitment, right? They are dwindling before our eyes because we're a community of individuals. And even when our churches gather, we don't gather communal individuals, we gather individualistic individuals. And so the only thing that happens is we impose upon the community what needs to happen for us. And I don't want you to feel bad about that. That's a product of where we are. This is all of our stories, right? In our culture, in Western culture, this is our big, I think, idol and the thing that needs to be toppled. And so I want to read you 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 17, kind of as a base. You can pull that open in your Bibles. Uh, many of you are carrying your Bibles in spirit, and I appreciate that because you've memorized it. And that means we're really growing in the Lord. If not, you can follow along on the screens. I've heard that the, the two unbelievably beautiful men in the sound booth, Bill and Marcus, have made it available to where now this goes directly to the screen at home. I think that's happening at this point. And so enjoy. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 17. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna say things today that are going to ruffle your feathers. I'm not trying to do that to be edgy. I think there's something more beautiful on the other side of it. So keep that in mind. I still believe Jesus is a shepherd. I still believe Jesus is a tender, loving father that draws us into a space where we can be with him and others and he knows how to help us grow. There is some language that we need to hear to challenge the the rough edges of our own hearts and some of that is found directly in our scriptures that we've tried to redo in softer words. So for today, we're not reading from some of those versions and I don't dislike them, but sometimes we need to hear Just simple, ow, that hurt. I think it's good for us to do that. So, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That was good for them. Our fathers all got to see and experience this, right? And we're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, good things, and all drank from the spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Of course, this is Paul speaking of what was happening throughout the Old Testament in their tradition and in their history. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. Can I get an amen? Amen. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. You don't want to be destroyed by the destroyer because I'm guessing he's pretty good at that. All right, transitioning. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. So this is where he's kind of saying, this historical process is something you need to take note of because your generation is not any different. You will have to fight the same kinds of things. So, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall, pride. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, so now he's taking it to now, flee from the idolatry that you are struggling with. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. And this is where he kind of brings it, aha, home. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, and we all partake 
of the one bread. And I just want to give you a picture. Last week I talked about if you were to break this bread and we were each to ingest it into our bodies, it would be as if each of us has the same bread in our bodies. And that bread is Jesus, right? We know that the bread of life is Jesus. And that bread is central because that's the only centering ingested as core or on the right seat in our hearts that can keep everything together. We know this because my desire for athletics and athletic prowess as a 43-year-old is not sustainable to sustain me or my family, even though it fights for supremacy. My desire to be a super pastor, your desire to be the best mom, your desire, these things ingested and, and taken to the core of our being are not strong enough to keep it all together, whatever the idol might be. And today, I believe the idol that we have to look at is individualism. So, so if Jesus is providing a way out of what I believe America's number one idol is individualism, what would that be? Well, the good thing is I think it's the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is where we see the face of God. We sang a song today. I, what was the song? I see your face. I see your face, and then as, as you're singing that, I'm looking around in this room and saying, each of these people is created in the image of God. So as I look at Jonathan, as I look at Leslie, as I look at Tony, as I look at each of you, I'm seeing and experiencing the presence of God. He's here. We worship him, we worship together, and both of those things are equally important. You cannot have one without the other. Formation happens in the midst of community, not when you find the perfect community. That's not where it happens. When you finally find that community that does that thing the way that you think this will, that's not where it happens. It happens when that is not happening. It happens most assuredly, assuredly, in the spaces we dislike, in the deserts and the wildernesses where we can choose a false idol or even, God forbid, build our own idol. I want to read you this quote. I hope you put the right one. Lucy Shaw. The pace of life and our preoccupation with unimportant things takes so much of our attention. The significant things, like taking time to develop a simple friendship, to read and pray and listen to God, these all get sacrificed on the altar of good works and Christian busyness. So can this actually happen in our society? Can we actually become that in Smyrna and your family? Can your kids be raised and understand what it's like to be a part of a community where it's not all about what they want. Because every other cultural norm is speaking that to them. So today, I, I hope I ruffle your feathers in this way, but I wanna read you another text. This is one actually from the lectionary. This is 1 Thessalonians 1 through 10. Again, you can open to your mental Bible. Scroll through. This church I've always loved, and I loved it since we planted this church. It was actually a scripture that I read that I felt like this is what God is speaking to us. We're gonna be this. Like the way these guys do mission and the way Paul is so proud of them. I wanna be that church. But I, I think I recognize now six and a half years in, I'd put the cart ahead of the horse. We don't do any of those things anymore, by the way. I, I don't know how to do that in today's like automotive language. But whatever that is in today's language, I did that. Because I see the way that they do mission. People from everywhere, you're gonna hear it in a second, started to recognize what, what God was doing in their midst. And I was like, yes, I want that. But I didn't necessarily know how to get to that spot. Six and a half years in, I think I have a better understanding of what it looks like to become the community of God so that you can live on mission. We don't just decide we're gonna go do this mission and alleviate the formation that's mandatory for it. No formation into mission is just a bad scenario. And people are gonna be hurt, people are gonna be burnt out, it's not gonna make sense. God is most likely telling us to not do that. And so this community, I missed it. We're not gonna miss it today. I wanna read it to you. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, or Thessalonica. And God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Just know that this is not jargon from Paul. He was meaningful, thoughtful. We read this first part and we're like, da, 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 this is the intro, like get through it. He just has to say all that. No, he's meaning this. He's probably in tears writing this. 
We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God our Father your work and faith and labor and love and steadfastness and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Have you ever been in a room where somebody was preaching or something and you're like, what is happening? Like, I feel like my heart is pulsating and the room is charged and God is like labeling the depths. You ever been in the room when that's happening? Like, that's what's happening. That's, that's how this message, they're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, we got, we just have I sit. We need to hear. And they're hearing it with their bodies and hearts and minds. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. I don't know how to say that still. I still say it like seven different ways. Macedonia, I know. Calm down, guys, everybody. And Achai. I'm sure that's not right either, but forgive me. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded both from you in Macedonia and Achai, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. To me, when I read this, when we planted the church, I was like, I want that. Like, we don't, we don't have to form like a thing. People just start kind of recognizing this is the level of how they're loving one another in Christ. And it's so appealing. But there's things that have to happen for this to happen. Why did they welcome this message? I think there's a couple things that are important. Actually, in this time, other groupings would, would have been called church. So Paul is first trying to make a statement to say, this church is in the Lord Christ Jesus. This is not just a gathering. It's not just people together. This church is a gathering for the sake of the Lord, one body, one bread. We gather around Christ. It's central. It's the focus. And he's doing it, if you noticed. I think I was talking to the worship the other night about how when worship songs are sung with tenderness, there's something about the Jesus that I know and love that speaks to me in that way and I respond so well to it. Even in the hard things, Jesus' voice to me is tender. Says the hard thing, makes me wanna cry. I know he loves me. Paul is speaking to this community and the tone is encouragement and the tone is you're chosen, right? You're each chosen. He's speaking identity in them. He's doing it in the company of three people. He's not showing up as a lone stallion. He's not showing up as the apostle among apostles. He's showing up in community. The three of us have a message to share with you. And this message is that we're proud of you. We're so proud of the way that you've been living out this gospel. Because it seems as if you've received it and power, and hope, and you've taken it on, and now it's become yours, and now you're imitators of the gospel. It became the mission. But one of the things that they had to do, and it sneaks it in there, and you kind of miss it, is they left their idols. So this community, it wasn't just a celebration. They had to be able to label, highlight, and leave their idols. One of them's embedded in this Really cleverly, but you have to read it. One of the statements made is grace and peace. Raise your hand if you remember me reading that. This is actually a play on another statement that was commonly used, which was peace and security to you in Rome. It was what they would say as a greeting, and it would highlight their desire to honor the emperor. They would actually, it was an imperialistic, it was actually almost idol worship, and in the temples, a lot of times you would see the emperor of Rome and God. It would be like a connection. But we don't, we don't struggle with that at all. That's not something that we struggle with. But that's something that they had to look. And he was cleverly speaking to them, peace to you. And by saying grace to you, he was saying this specific greeting, which I have thought through, has to do with Christ Jesus. This specific greeting he was saying, you have to look at what you're truly worshiping. Now, you might not, Roman culture, say, I worship the emperor, but if the bulk of your conversations are in defense and or are in allegiance to the emperor, you need to evaluate it. They had to leave that. And then they had to leave the idea of classism, 
which was very much more prevalent here, where certain people meant more in society. And while it was listed out, right, slaves, freeborn, there was actually a structure, you know. Maybe in our society, we don't have a, you can look it up online, but maybe there's still the idea that some are less important than others. Maybe this season is presenting to us an opportunity to say, am I more allegiant to the emperor and to Rome or am I more allegiant to Christ Jesus? But that's probably for another day. We probably don't struggle with that, but they did. But what do we struggle with? But they left, to, they left those things to serve the living God. So they chose the living God over the emperor, imperialistic society, and classism. And so when you showed up in these communities, you saw people that shouldn't be together, literally. Last week we talked about there would be a tax collector and there would be a zealot. And zealots would historically possibly kill tax collectors. And they're sitting in the same room. And you saw a slave and their master. And you saw the playing field was evened out. And this was shocking to a whole culture because they were able to look past things for the bread that was in the middle. I have some things that's probably gonna bore you for the next few moments, so stay with me, unless you like stats and graphs and definitions. Raise your hand if you like those things. Okie dokie, all right. So since about the 1800s, American individualism has been a defining, maybe the defining core belief in our society. We show up from all over, we get here, we have the opportunity to go and possess what's possessable, to get what we want. But individualism, and you can bring up this first one, Bill. Individualism is also one of the strongest causes of loneliness. And so Bill's gonna pull it up in a second. Gallup says, Americans, at least for the last 60 to 80 years, are some of the loneliest people in the world. Even out of all Western culture, which is broader than just America, Americans are typically the most lonely community in the world, also the most driven, also we work the most, also we have the most, also the most lonely. You can pull up the graphs that I didn't play last week, or show last week. You can read this for a minute, but basically the findings are massive. Around 35% of people would say they feel lonely all the time. 20 years ago, Someone would say, I have up to three confidants, and that's the most. Now, it's even less. Many people say they don't have a single person, if something happens in their life, to call. We're accessible everywhere. You can go to the next one, Bill. So individualism actually leads to tribalism. So I want to read you this. So I, I did this right before COVID, and shockingly, COVID came and all of a sudden, we're all in our homes, dealing with our own inner demons, having to kind of look at what's happening in the world. But we, I told you then, does anybody remember when I read this to you guys back then? Anybody? So if um, individualism leads to loneliness, loneliness leads to tribalism. And David Brooks says, tribalism is the dark twin of community. So tribalism is built around mutual hate. Communities built on mutual love. Tribalism is built on who and what we are against. Community is built on who and what we are for. Tribalism is a zero-sum battle for scarce resources. Community is generosity, honor, honor, and celebrates others. Tribalism is kill or be killed. And community is, again, celebrate others and differences. You can go to the next one. Stay with me here. John Mark Comer says, God sets, and well, this is a scripture we've, I've cherished for a while, is that God sets the solitary in families, and if God does that, individualism sets the lonely in tribes. And the scary thing about this is that individualism, while it starts as this bright opportunity to go and attain, ends in tribes destroying one another. So we see this play out all the time. We see this play out in politics, and I don't, we don't have to go there. Let's just all be like, okay. That's why when we see an ad on TV, it's not about what this person's for. It's like, can you believe it? Bill Pinto. Like, that's, that's, the whole, that's the whole operating system. But also in churches and communities. We build entire communities on what we are against. 
right? We build entire communities on not being these three things. Even in deconstruction, which is kind of the offset of people leaving those kind of communities, we're still just building things around what we're against. There's podcasts, very popular ones that are built around what we're against. It's just tribalism perpetuating and continuing. Community looks different than that. So here's where it gets even nerdier. And if you need more information on this, I'll provide a website after this that has more. But in the first century, anthropologists have actually studied strong, strong group societies and weak group societies. So I want to give you a couple definitions of a strong group society and a weak group society. And you can pull these up now. So strong group cultures, these are two kinds of cultures that exist even now, but even back then, are also called collectivists. The strong group culture, the person perceives him or herself to be a member of a group and responsible to the group for his or her actions. Anchors is good, but it's not, that's not the right word there, but maybe. Um, actions, destiny, career, development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the group and is free to do what he or she feels they believe is right only if it is in accord with the norms of the group and only if the actions are in the group's best interest. The group has priority priority over the individual. Cultures now that this is in is a lot of African cultures, um, a lot of Indian culture, pretty much a lot of the other cultures other than us operate like this even today. This is why when you see people come into America, a lot of times there's a struggle with that kind of play. So what does a weak group culture consist of? Weak group cultures or individualists, this is a person who believes the individual has priority over group. One's wants and desires are more important than whatever group he or she identifies with. I think you all know that we're a part of a weak group culture in America. And what's interesting to me, you can go to the next one if there's a next one. What's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't try and pretend like he's trying to move towards a weak group culture. Jesus was embedded in a strong group culture where the individual would never think of themselves as more important than the group. There's not many people who operate like this. One, because a lot of times I think we think it's actually oppressive. And because at times it is oppressive to say, no, this group's more important than what you need right now. We have such a strong culture that because of the way that we view freedom, we think all strong culture is oppressive. Here's why. Here's one of the reasons why. So, da -da -da -da, sorry guys. We have defined freedom to mean we can do whatever we want as long as it doesn't hurt others. The problem is, is that's not classically Christian. So we judge strong group cultures as oppressive. Jesus did not. He, of course, has an operating system within that culture but we have to become aware that as we enter, the only thing we can do to it without the help of the Holy Spirit bringing it together is to impose weak group culture upon it, which looks like being upset when something doesn't go the way that we like or the thing in service is not like it should. We should definitely do communion every week. We should definitely not stop worship right there. That's, that guy's quenching the spirit. We should definitely do that at the end of service. There should be a, every... Every service, you should have an altar call and people should accept Jesus. All of these things that we think are what has to happen, we have to know that as we come, they are being imposed on the community by us. I don't believe we can actually have the kind of community God's creating until we can do that. So when we say things like, we and our forefathers have sinned, I've actually had someone tell me, I'm not taking responsibility for any sin outside of myself. That is a classic statement from an individualistic mindset. Collectively, I'm a part of a structure and a system, my history, that needs to repent of many things within the church and outside of the church. So when I come into community, I have to know that I am imposing on it what I want. That's going to happen. That's why there's so many churches in America. So many churches built on such slight differences. And as soon as you don't like, maybe even this is like, well, I'm out of here. You don't like what I just said. But if a community can't commit to being more like a family, and what does family do with differences? We talk about each other to ourselves. We get mad. We don't want to be in the same rooms. We avoid 
but my mom's my mom all the way until I die. My brother's my brother. I'm not being like, well, that guy's not my brother anymore. No, I don't like what happened. My sister's my sister. She just left. She was probably mad. <laughs> she literally just left. There's not a time she's not going to be my sister even if I don't like what happened. Churches have to operate like that. So when I do the thing or you do the thing, what typically happens is that's time for you to bolt because your individual needs outweigh the needs of the community. That's when it gets good. So a community doesn't look like the perfect worship space or preaching space, like getting to the spot where we're finally here. That's not real. A community has ebbs and flows, has things you like and things you don't like, has things you, if you're not confronting your own individual idols within community, that is not good. You should have to interact with the ways in which you want to be alone, the ways in which your call is more important than their call, the ways in which your bank account means more than what's happening in this body. So I just have to, have to say to you, as we step in to becoming like this church at Thessalonica, we can't think that we just step in and everyone just knows about us. And we also have to be honest knowing that none of us know how to do this kind of community. None of us know how to do it like that. The only way it can be held together, the only way is by Christ, the bread of Christ and the body of Christ. Or... And I'm not going to dance around fires today. Or we can start to think that our life here in America is about our freedoms. And God forbid if we start to think it's about our freedoms. Because if it's about what we need to protect in ourselves, we've missed the whole point to a whole culture. Has Christ freed us? Yeah, he has. But there's coming a time where you won't worship on that mountain or that mountain. No, but our mountain worships like this. No, but our mountain worships like this. Spirit and truth. This is the body that he wants to develop in this city, and it will look like us learning how to place the body's needs over our own needs. And if you feel oppressed in that statement, I ask that you would hopefully see what can come from that kind of community life, where you're not just alone, six days a week, where your spirituality is being shared with brothers and sisters in this room, where you're not waiting for an ideal thing. Many of you are waiting for this ideal thing that if you think it can be added, spouse, job, car, look, getting more fit, if it can be added, I will step into this space of, oh, it's, finally, it's finally good, that's not... That's not the goal. The goal of communal life is to whittle us down to our desires to need him. And that's what happens in community life. When we're built around Christ, he is truly the only thing. Even strong group culture, the only thing that can hold that together is Christ. Weak group culture, Christ can't even hold that together. I don't like saying things that Christ can't do, but if you desire to impose what you need into your communities, Christ cannot hold that together. That's why Christ comes, right? He's self-giving, he's generative, he's open, he's always submitting to his Father, he's humble, he's not the king they wanted, he's the king they needed. He's always going low, and this is our king. So when we step into a community as king with the plan, how can Christ work in that? I don't want to dominate you. I'm not a dictator. I'm not proposing that you listen to the words of some random one person in a community and do everything they say for the rest of your life. I'm saying the community is important and we have to learn to step in deeper. I sense it, like I feel it in my heart. He's about to move. And I don't exclude you guys from that. I don't picture us doing singular spiritual things so that you can meet your best version of you. I see us doing corporate communal worshiping that draws the best of Christ out of us. Wouldn't we want that? This is why even in America this could be a rant. I'm gonna go quick. This is why so many of us in ministry place our desires for what God's called us to do over the bodies we're in. 
Whole denominations are built around this. Structures for people to get to the next thing. Body of Christ is not that way. It's not. It doesn't operate or successfully work that way. In churches even, we all do it. We all know what needs to happen next for this to be the place, right? If you would just do this, like you could, you don't just do this. I hear it in people's prayers to me, some, not to me, for me. <laughs> I hear it. Just this desire, if you could just see this, this would, we would click then. I trust Jesus more than I trust any of you. <laughs> I love you guys. But I don't alleviate that Jesus will speak through you and I have to be humble enough to listen. That's community. So... Every generation has the opportunity to rewrite the ship. They had to do what I already mentioned. Our generation has some work. We step in, humble, confessing our need for one another. Here's the honest part of me that I'll give to you. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at communal life. I literally started ministry thinking I would preach and I would preach more and the people that I would preach to would grow in size because that's godly, right? And people would pray for me, God will bring more and more people because you've been gifted to preach and it just feels gross, right? So we step in and we ask him to lead. But it's gonna be hard. I'm just I'm gonna be really honest with, for whoever's listening, to, to want the Jesus of Scripture you cannot have it without community. And when you actually step into community, as American individualist, people start to know you. And when people start to know you, you start to see through other people, oh, that's a thing. That's like, I'm having that effect on them. Or, oh, I'm gifted in that way? I didn't even know. What? You start to become known. And then when you start to become known, here's what happens. It's time to dip out. I don't wanna be known. I want to put, put this front forward, but what's in your heart is what what's in all of our hearts. You're broken. You need others. You're sad. You cry when people aren't around. You like to sing. Nobody knows it. You're scared right now. You feel like a failure. What's inside of you that nobody knows we all could work together in? This is what surfaces when we start to know one another in the way that this is talking about. I'm not bigger than saying I need you guys. You're not bigger than saying I need you. We don't just spend an hour together a week. We don't sell all of our stuff and live in this room. That's probably too much of a step, maybe. But it's gotta be more than just showing up to a space and hearing a guy preach and singing some songs together, right? Like, can we just agree? That's probably not enough to carry the most important message in our history to the world. What if we say yes to spiritual formation or Jesus or, or keeping company with Jesus and we say yes to his community whether we're in love with all of them or not. And what if that begins to be the base and framework for all of Smyrna and Marietta and Macedonia to see? Do you notice what's happening in that community, those communities? We don't have to form a like, check me out statement. It's just spreading. That's my hope. You guys can stand with me. I'm gonna pray for you in the way that this message was brought to the church at Thessalonica. So if you'll close your eyes, I can't make the spirit of God burn in your heart. If I could do that, it would be like right what happens when you walk in the door. Burn for the Lord. But I can ask him to, to give you the message the way that the, the church at Thessalonica received it so that there was a yearning for him so that you exude a desire for God and Jesus, so that you understand and want it more and more and your idols begin to topple. I get the sense for them, it wasn't like, oh, but this is such a good idol. It was like, oh, this is so good. What was that idol I struggled with? Leaving it. And in the midst of persecution, in the midst of persecution, they counted it all joy. In the midst of persecution, the spirit of God was moving. So I repent for Christian community that says persecution is something it's not. 
Persecution is real. It's not just about me not getting to do what I want as a Christian. We're, we're putting pots, prayers of the people. We're showing people who are being killed for the sake of Christ. And many of us are so wound up because we have to do these things in our culture right now. That's our individualism surfacing. That's a God we will not serve. We humble ourselves and ask you, God, to heal us. Help us to repent from being individualists who our lives are more important than the bodies, bodies of Christ in our, in our areas. So I'm praying for you this way. So there was Paul and his two buddies that preached this message, but I'm preaching to you and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Father God and Jesus to be present. The message comes to us in community. And God, I don't know how to make the word alive like you have, so I have to trust you for that. So I'm gonna do it. Jesus is present in this room and he's inviting you and even wooing you. And you get the sense of excitement and joy and energy, not of dread and, oh, I'm leaving my good life for this crucible life that will never be enjoyable. You get the sense that you're talking to a rabbi that is loving and passionate and adventurous and he's taking you on a journey. And he's saying, come, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men and women. I'll show you true identity. I'll give you rest. My burden is light. You're going to have to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, but it'll be in the midst of community. Come and follow me and close your eyes and imagine Jesus before you saying, I want you to follow me. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. And the gift I give you now is community so that you can break bread and break Christ together. And as you go deeper into the life of God and community, you will become rich and full. It will be effortless. You'll notice the rhythms of my grace. Come and follow me. Put your trust in me. We offer on the altar the God of individualism. We ask for repentance, for placing our own needs above others. the presence of God into this room. God, we need you because we need to go forward with you. I pray that Jesus would show you in routes and pathways into community that isn't just what you want because you're not going to grow, but the community that he has for you. A generative, life-giving, challenging, accountable, mercy-filled, grace-filled, brothers and sisters you don't choose them that's the thing about brothers and sisters you had nothing to do with it you're a part of the family of God the word Jesus uses for his father for God is father more than any other word that's why he calls us brothers and sisters that's why Paul calls us brothers and sisters so we offer ourselves to you today Jesus just give you a few moments to respond close Just this week, I was really proud of our community. I decided to meet with some people, two different people. One person said, while crying, it's my favorite thing to sing in the spirit and sing in tongues for hours. And the next day, I met with someone who said, it's my favorite thing to tap into the Christian calendar and to Advent. <laughs> these, all admit, these all are in our community. But I know that because I created space to hear the stories about what God's doing. And so... I'm going to challenge you this week on your table as you leave, and we'll make these available online. We want you to find community. So there's a few options you can do. One, you can sign up for a small group for the church. You can do that at leeatrivercitysmyrna.com. We'll make that available online. And then another one is form a triad, which is something we're going to be trying to do, is just call two friends and even ask if they're not close or close, if they'd be willing to commit to weekly having a meal. Just two friends. Having a meal and having discussions about what we're talking about. We'll provide questions for you. Jump into it. 
You can email me personally, josh at rivercitysmarter.com, if you desire that. I'm going to pray for you before we go. That Jesus, that you would allow this, um, this need to surface through action. I love how, Jesus, your words were never separated from action. That you spoke it was that you acted it. It was simultaneous. That you invited meant that there was community. There was no separation. So I pray that you would nudge us and give us the strength to reach out and to reach in, to step deeper into your heart and into community. God, while I want River City to look like this church in Thessalonica, I want the kind of community they had that celebrated Christ, weeped with him, weeped with each other, that danced in worship and that mourned at funerals and it celebrated all of it. I want it all. There's more in you, Jesus. And if the more looks like traveling deep into my heart, please, we invite you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.